grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text is the epistle lesson, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. You just ought to know that everybody out in the world thinks we're foolish. There's no other way to say it. They think we are wasting our time. Wasting our time sitting here learning about a man who was nailed to a cross as a criminal and supposedly in all his humiliation and weakness he conquered all our enemies and rose from the dead. And the world simply says foolishness. It's not any different than it was 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote these words. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Even Jesus' own family had problems. We read in the Gospels that at one point his mother and brothers said he's beside himself. His opponents in the Gospel of John did declare him insane. And when the Apostle Paul, when he was before the governor Festus, Festus declared, Paul, you're out of your mind. Learning has caused you to go insane. The Jews believed that anyone who died on a tree was cursed. So we're not experiencing anything today that the people didn't experience back then. Yes, Jesus was a criminal. He did die on the cross according to Roman justice. He was crucified like a criminal. How could he be a king? How could he conquer, overcome anyone or anything? But then Paul writes, But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It was the power of God when Jesus Christ died on that cross and defeated, overwhelmed Satan. It was the power of God when Jesus Christ died on the cross and all our sins were destroyed, cleansed, washed in the blood he shed. It was the power of God at the cross of Calvary that destroyed hell and its power over us. It was the power of God working to conquer all our enemies. The power of God and the wisdom of God, that's who Jesus Christ is. And so Paul says, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. He did die on that cross a criminal, but he wasn't guilty of his own crimes. He was guilty of ours. He took them upon himself. And there on the cross, he conquered sin, death, 
hell, Satan, and all for you and for me. And then rose again from the dead. And to that the world says, foolishness. Today they'd also call us foolish for taking of the things we've had and we've earned and giving a portion back to the Lord in thanksgiving. They'd declare that foolish too. And they'd certainly declare it foolish for us to build a new school and expand the early childhood center so we can tell more people, more children about this Jesus. Build a $9.3 million building to tell about Jesus? They say no. And frankly, folks, we've had our own doubts. $9.3 million? Can God do this? Can God work through us to do this? Is this what He wants? Are we capable of doing this? It's had doubt and fear and worry written all over it. But you know, we really don't care what the world thinks. What do you think the people said when Noah built a ship as big as a football field in his backyard on dry ground? Foolish? Stupid? Crazy? But the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And He loves to use weakness to show His power. Things we would never think of to show His mighty power, even His own Son on a cross. So over a year ago, Mrs. Profilet, our principal, went back to her desk in the afternoon, and there on it was an envelope addressed to her. She opened it, and inside she saw several dollar bills, a five or two, and some change. And there was a note, and the note said, Mrs. Profilet, this is all the money I have. We need a new school. Use it for the new school. A foolish little boy? The power of God. Two weeks ago, Mrs. Profile challenged the school to bring all the children to bring their change and see how much they could raise for the school. And she set the goal at $2,500. Yesterday the contest ended. $7,388. There's not a piece of change left in a schoolhouse in this congregation. the power of God. Then the leaders of this congregation were asked to make 
initial gifts, 113 of them did this past week. And so, already committed to this project, we have $4.5 million. That's right. You heard right. So, next week, before we get to Queenie Park, pray. Bring the commitment card you have or will be mailed this week. And let's do something really foolish. Let's listen to God's word about what he's done for us. Let's give back a portion of what he's given us. Let's celebrate the Savior that we have who died and rose again for us. And that's, then let's do something really foolish, really stupid, really crazy. Let's build a new school. Amen. And now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Now I'd like to introduce Bob and Jeannie Grone, who will share some words with us today. Thank you, Pastor, for inviting us to share our story. Everyone has a story. Our St. Paul's story probably began a little differently than most of you. We enrolled our son in first grade at St. Paul's, but didn't join the church until five years later. In our case, we joined the church because of the school. Our son graduated eighth grade in 2005. Some of our closest friendships began here. We watched our son grow up here. We saw his faith grow. Our own faith grew. This school has a special place in our hearts. My parents both graduated from Lutheran High School Central. They sent me to Lutheran grade school and high school. We value Christian education. We believe that the children of our church school belong to all of us. They are the future of our church. The education at St. Paul's is exceptional. It well prepares a student for high school and college. But I believe the best part of this education is that it teaches a child to have a relationship with Jesus Christ through devotions, Bible study, memorizing scripture and hymns, daily prayer, worship, and loving Christian relationships, a young person learns how to allow the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts and grow their faith. Thinking back on our family's time at St. Paul's School, we remember that it was a large expense to pay tuition each fall. We were a young family with a young business, and sometimes finances were tight, but God was faithful. He always provided exactly what we needed. Last October, Pastor Smith called and asked if we would consider serving as campaign directors for this project. We discussed it and prayed about it and knew that we had no choice but to serve because of our passion for this school. In November, we began working on the campaign, met Pastor Kay, 
and discussed our responsibilities. Through that process, we began to consider what our personal offering might be. We talked and prayed about it quite a bit. We felt that our sacrifice should be close to our hearts. We wanted our offering to have a real meaning to us. We had several questions. Where could we take the funds from our current budget? What would we give up? And then quickly, what would that amount be? Again, we prayed and we decided that we would sacrifice gifts to each other for the next three years. Christmas, birthday, anniversary, Valentine's, all personal gifts. And then we would also cut back our lifestyle. That was the easy part. Next, we struggled with what amount we would give. We remembered our years here at St. Paul's and thought about the current families appreciating their dedication to Lutheran education. We decided in a gesture of solidarity with school parents, we would donate an amount each year equal to school tuition. But we didn't know how much school tuition was. We quickly found out that it was $4,360 this year. That averages to about $85 a week. We'll round that up to 100 So God blessed us with one son. We could certainly donate an equivalent of tuition for one child. But there was a little more to our story. In November of 1998, we were all set to adopt a baby girl from a young unmarried mother. Several days before the baby was born, the mother changed her mind and decided to keep the baby. We later learned that she named the baby Faith. I've prayed for baby Faith every day for nearly 20 years. I've never met her. But God placed her in our hearts to pray for her. So that moved us to bump our weekly gift to tuition for two children. And somehow that didn't seem like enough of a sacrifice. My husband's lovely 93-year-old mother was called home to heaven last June, and her estate was settled later in the year. In January, we received a reminder call from her financial planner, not realizing that, that there was an IRA left in her estate. Do you know how many years there were left to receive that distribution? Three. Just the same number of years in this campaign. Isn't God good? It was money that we didn't realize was ours. I must tell you, we briefly hesitated thinking about a beach house for a week on our favorite island, but we clearly understood that, that God wanted us to do something else with that money. My in-laws were lovely Christian people, and we thought we would honor their memory by donating the remainder of that IRA to this campaign. There are three levels of giving in this campaign. Our response to God's faithfulness will be a gift at the impact level. We thank God for the blessing of a son. We thank God for the blessing of faith, which has a double meaning for us, and for the blessing of lovely Christian parents. May God bless all of you as you prayerfully consider how he might use your story to tell the next generation. We rise to sing the offertory. Oh. 